This morning when you're listening to this sermon, we're, we're not gathered together as our church usually does on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're, we're out at the Pell's Park and we're celebrating in, in worship with other churches there. But I, I still wanted to share a message with you this morning, and I want to share a message that I shared with our men's fellowship uh, this past uh, Monday. It's a familiar story to you, the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that story, we're going to answer a question that an expert in the law one day asked Jesus, and that is the question, and who is my neighbor? The story is found over in Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 29. At least that's where we're going to start this morning. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's take a moment and pray. Dear dear Father, I thank you so very much for this chance to share this story. And God, I pray that we will open our hearts and minds to your message today. That we might understand clearly uh, who is our neighbor and what it means to be a neighbor. God, speak to us. May your Holy Spirit work in us right now. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of those stories that even people outside the church have some knowledge of. Even a person who has never opened their Bible may use the term Good Samaritan to describe a loving or benevolent person. Years ago now, the USA Today had an article by a Rick Hampston about those who helped out others. And in that story, he wrote this. I know it's a little lengthy, but listen. It says, going out of one's way and putting oneself at risk to help a neighbor or a stranger in need might be a road less traveled, but many have chosen it. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan to answer a question, who is my neighbor? These days, anyone familiar with the the parable, Christian or not, might well ask, and who is a Good Samaritan? The definition has been watered down to the point where it is used to cover, cover virtually any good deed or act of kindness. But the Samaritan, a foreigner from Samaria a member of a different, unpopular religious group, a traveler on a notoriously dangerous road, feels deep pity when he sees the man, the King James Version says. But the original Greek is stronger. It says his guts rose up within him. He had to stop. Today, people may be so familiar with the parable that they don't really listen to it. Otherwise, why would they persist in applying this term to those who rescue a cat from a tree or give a neighbor a lift? And then Rick Hampson concluded the article with this. He says, being a good Samaritan 
means going out of your way to help a stranger in need with no expectation of thanks or recognition. I believe today, if we would just listen to this familiar story, we would learn what it means to be a good good Samaritan from Jesus' perspective. If we would listen closely to Jesus, we would learn what it really means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember, that's what Jesus told the expert in the law that he needed to do. He was to love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he was to love his neighbor as himself. The greatest evidence that we are Christians is love, loving God and loving people, loving our neighbor. And so this expert in law asked the question, and who is my neighbor? This lawyer wanted to know exactly who was he responsible to love, exactly how many people was he supposed to consider his, his neighbors. My, my guess is the man had a very small circle of people that he loved, and he wanted to kind of keep it that way. But Jesus broadens this man's understanding of what it means to be a neighbor. And Jesus wants to broaden our understanding of who we are responsible to love. And so he asked Jesus, and so we asked Jesus, the same question that he asked Jesus, and who is our neighbor? Who is it that we are responsible to love? Jesus answers that question with two important lessons. Lesson number one, your neighbor is anyone you meet in need. Just listen to the story of the Good Samaritan as it's found in Scripture, Luke 10, 30-35. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity upon him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. While we may think of our neighbor as a person who lives near us, Jesus is teaching us here that our neighbor is anyone that we meet in need, whether we know them or not, or whether we like them or not. In the story, a man is beaten, robbed, and left for dead. He is obviously in need of help, and a priest comes along first and sees the man. You would have expected a preacher of all people, to stop and help. But he passes by on the other side. Next, a Levi, a temple worker, a church employee, comes along and sees the man, and he too passes by on the other side. Finally, it is the hated Samaritan who comes along, sees the man, and has pity upon him. 
It didn't matter that the Samaritan didn't know the man. It didn't matter that he may not have liked the man's race. The man was in need. The man was a neighbor who he was to love. And the same thing goes for you and me. When we meet a person who is in obvious need, they become our neighbor. Whether, again, we know them or not, or whether we like them or not. We cannot be like the priest and Levi who simply pass by on the other side. Let's face it, we do that far too often. See, basically, Jesus says that there are three attitudes we can have towards others. Back in the 1950s, a preacher named Roy Angel made popular a sermon outline that has made the rounds through the years. And in that outline, he came up with an easy way to remember the three attitudes that we see in the Good Samaritan. The three basic attitudes we can have towards others. The first attitude is, what's yours is mine, I'll take it. I mean, that's the attitude of the robbers in today's story. They, they, have everything, they take everything the man has. They, they saw him as someone to be used and exploited. And unfortunately, there are a lot of folks like that with that kind of an attitude today. As G. Gordon Liddy often said, the world is a bad neighborhood. And how true that can be, especially in some of our cities. People can be just like these robbers. What's in it for me? How can I profit? Who cares who gets hurt? The second attitude is more prevalent than the first. It is the attitude of what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. That is the attitude of the priest and Levite. These religious leaders didn't have time to stop and help. They were preoccupied they, may have, they had more important duties than tending to this bloody naked man along the road. Now, these men were not uh, bad men. They were just busy. Knowing that stretch of road was dangerous and well-traveled, they may have also reasoned that, that, that someone else would have come along to help, or maybe, uh, again, the robbers were still lurking. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can identify with that busy, selfish feeling. I think we all can. God has blessed each of us with time and treasure and talents. And when it comes to serving the Lord, I hope you and I won't have an attitude like the priest and Levi saying, I have other things to do that are more important. I have better ways to spend my time and money. The truth is, if we selfishly hold on to our time, talent, and treasure, we are just like the priest and the Levite. Rick Warren once said, God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. And if I don't use my gift, then I am robbing you. And if you don't use your gift, then you are robbing me. God doesn't want us to keep our gifts to ourselves. He doesn't want us to spend our time and money selfishly on ourselves. He doesn't want us simply passing by those in need. 
The third attitude is what's mine is yours. I'll share it. That's the attitude of the good Samaritan. He shares what he has to help the man who has been robbed. He shares what he has to meet the man's needs. That's the attitude that we should have as believers. William Barclay once wrote, In a world that is bent on getting, the Christian must be bent on giving. Because he knows what he keeps, he will lose. But what he gives, he has and has for eternity. And Jesus wants his followers to give to those in need. You see, our neighbor isn't just the person who is of the same race or of the same religion or at the same educational level or income level or living on the same street. Our neighbor is anyone that we meet in need. And so the, the question is, how generous are you and I with our neighbors? How willing are we to share and to reach out to those in need? In Matthew 25, Jesus pictures judgment. And he divides all mankind into two groups. Some people the Lord commends because they care for needy and hurting people. Other people the Lord condemns because they didn't care. And, and when he spoke to the righteous and commended them, the scripture tells us that they answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Are thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When, when did we see you sick? are in prison and go to visit you. And in judgment, this is what was said. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. See, you and I are going to be judged on how well we've cared for people. See, whatever we do for hurting people, hurting, needing people, we do for Jesus. And who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone you meet in need. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, you're a neighbor when you meet their need. Look, look what Jesus asked uh, Luke 10, 36 and 37. This is after telling the story. Which of these three, Jesus said, do, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The experts in the law, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus is saying, don't be so concerned about who your neighbor is. Instead, be focused on being a neighbor to others. What was it that Mr. Rogers used to say? Won't you be my neighbor? I mean, as this wounded man looked through his bloody eyes and saw the priest and the Levite, I mean, he must have thought those very words, won't you be my neighbor? But they weren't his neighbor. They didn't help. The wounded man looked at the Samaritan again in the same way, he must have thought again, oh, won't you be my neighbor? And thankfully, the Samaritan was a neighbor to the man. He stopped and helped and so Jesus wants to challenge us to be neighbors when we, need someone, when we meet someone in need. 
He, he challenges us in three ways. First of all, have compassion. I mean, the Samaritan had compassion upon the wounded man. He took pity upon him. I, I like the way the contemporary Bible puts that verse. It says, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. That, that's what it means to have compassion. It means hurting when people are hurting. Compassion is to be moved in our hearts, being moved in our guts when we see someone in need. But sadly, we have become desensitized to evil in our world. And in the process, we have become desensitized to human suffering. That sometimes it doesn't even faze us. I mean, we can watch news stories about murder. We can see people... Kids who are malnutritioned in third world countries. And we can be unaffected. We just flip to another channel and hope someone else will help. And so Christians, we need to have heartfelt compassion for people. And second, we need to take action. The good Samaritan did more than just have compassion for the wounded man. His compassion took action. See, love is not just a feeling of compassion. It's not just feeling their pain. Love is an action. James tells us that faith isn't faith unless it takes action. And love isn't love unless it takes action. I mean, people, that's true in a marriage. It's true in a family. It's true in a church. Compassion isn't compassion unless it takes action. And that needs to be true, whether we're at work or at school or at Walmart or Dollar General, the IGA, wherever we're at, whoever we meet, love isn't love unless it takes action. And what could be more loving than helping bringing a person into a personal relationship with Christ Jesus? Several years ago at a Promise Keepers conference in, in Indianapolis, I remember a question was asked, how many came to Christ through a revival or a large conference like a Billy Graham conference or, or, or again a Promise Keepers event? And in response, it seemed like there was maybe a couple thousand men. There were probably 70,000 men there. And then the man asked, how many of you came to Christ through a relationship that you had? Where someone modeled Christ, a teacher, a coach, a parent, a friend. And it seemed that 58,000 stood. I mean, it's love in action. I, I know that reaching out to hurting people and reaching out with the message of Christ may, may again take an investment of time and energy and fear, overcoming fear. But people love takes action. And our love needs to take action if we're going to impact others for Jesus. And then third, make a sacrifice. Be, be like the Samaritan and go the second mile. The Samaritan did more than just bandage up the man's wounds, but he put him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn, and cares for him. And then he pays for the innkeeper to take care of him after that promising to return and pay him for any extra expense he may have. The good Samaritan gives and gives and gives, not expecting anything in return. 
I mean, that's what it means to make a sacrifice and go the second mile. That's exactly what Jesus encourages us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. Just listen to Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is challenging us to go the second mile and be like God. Don't just love those who love you, but love everyone, whether they love you or not. Don't just do good to those who have done good to you. Do good to everyone, whether they've treated you right or not. Go the second mile. Unfortunately, Zig Ziglar was right when he said, there is no traffic jams on the extra mile. It's not really crowded when it comes to making a sacrifice for others and going the extra mile. But that's exactly the kind of love that Jesus wants us to have towards others. That is the kind of love he wants us to demonstrate in this cold, unloving world. The commentator Cal Thomas once said, Love talked about is easily ignored. But love demonstrated is irresistible. That was true for the Good Samaritan, and that will also be true for us. We can impact a world for Jesus if we demonstrate God's unselfish, sacrificial love. You're a neighbor in God's eyes when you sacrificially meet people's needs in Jesus' name. That brings us to our practical application. What are we going to do as a result of this morning's message? Let me, let me suggest three actions. Number one, ask God to give you a heartfelt compassion for anyone you meet in need. Just ask for God to just open your heart to those in need around you. Uh, we need that. We, we need that in, 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 again, our hardened, hateful world. Now, number two, as you learn of specific needs that you can meet, take action to meet the need. I mean, as we become aware of people's needs, we just need to meet the need. We, we need to be the good Samaritan. We, we, we need to do all that we can to help those that we meet a need in our lives. And then last of all, be willing to go the second mile that God might be glorified through your caring. Remember, Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. And here's how he told us that we are to let our light shine. It says that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. People, we're not saved on the basis of our good deeds. We are saved on the basis of our faith in Jesus, but God expects us as disciples of him to show good deeds to others, to meet people's needs, to see our neighbor when they're in need, whoever they are, whether we like them or not, and to be a neighbor to them.
Let's, let's pray. Dear, dear Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity that we've had to meet together around your word. And God, again, I pray that you'll be with each of us and you'll just bless and lead our lives now. Uh, just help us uh, to be good Samaritans, to really sacrifice ourselves and meet the needs of those around us. God, we pray all of this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, we want it to be a good neighbor, just as we want you to be a good neighbor. And so if there's some way that we can minister to you, do, please do not hesitate to give us a call. Our, our phone number again, 217-379-4443, or you can contact us online through our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. We'll, we'll be glad uh, to, to, to strive to meet uh, your need in, in the name of Jesus. Once again, thank you for listening. We, we look forward to sharing with you next Sunday as we get back into our study uh, in, in the book of Mark. We'll see you then. God bless.